Hello and welcome back to the Take A Trip podcast. This is episode six and today I'm bringing you a very spooky, very Victorian vibe. This episode is going to be about the Spring Hill Jack and I don't like this guy. I find him kind of scary as I find everything scary. But if you haven't heard about him, you're good because neither did I. Apparently he's a big figure, especially in popular culture. And I'm going to tell you about where he came from, who he was and why he had people in the UK confused for generations. So yes, buckle in guys and girls because we're going to take a trip back to the Victorian times in London when there was a strange red-eyed metal-clawed man who was tormenting people in the city. Now, London in the 1800s was definitely a situation. We were in the middle of the Industrial Revolution and there was a constant thick smog that made the sky seem like it was always dark and the air became really thick and toxic. It was really hard to breathe in these conditions and it was even harder to stay healthy because disease was lurking in every building and on every corner on every street. Vermin was running absolutely wild and it's safe to say that London definitely wasn't smelling great this time either because human waste was actually being dumped into the River Thames and this actually led to toxic fumes poisoning the air. So, like I said, London definitely was not a vibe during these times, and new factories and machines were constantly being built throughout the years. And now you've got a decent mental image of where this whole story begins, let's talk about an individual or an entity who was tormenting the people of London. In October 1837, a young girl named Mary Stevens was walking through Clapham Common to her workplace where she worked as a servant. She was walking down a dark alleyway, which honey, no, and encountered a really strange figure stood in the shadows. He had a black cloak on, on top of a white oilskin suit, kind of what a sailor would wear. He also wore this really strange helmet, which reminds me of Batman, and he was this tall, thin, gentleman-looking guy, from far away at least. But when Mary approached this man, she was stunned because he leapt onto her and immobilized her by gripping onto her arms. He clawed away at Mary's clothes and tore them, and Mary noted that his metal claws felt cold and clammy as that of a corpse. Mary screamed, which caused all of the local residents to run to her rescue, and the creepy man actually fled the scene into the darkness. The residents actually searched the area for hours to try and find the man, but they couldn't actually find anyone. However, Mary wasn't the only person to encounter this strange man in this time frame. The day after her attack, a coachman actually reported that a strange leaping figure had jumped in front of his carriage and caused him to lose control and crash. He sustained serious injuries from this accident, and other nearby witnesses had actually seen this man jump a nine-foot-tall wall while laughing. So who is this new weird guy in town? He doesn't seem very welcoming, and nor does the town really want to welcome him. The press started to report on these new really weird cases, and eventually they gave the figure a name. They called him the Spring Hill Jack. And these weren't actually the first or the last sightings that London was going to have of this man. In January 1838, a young barmaid called Polly Adams was attacked as she was walking through Blackheath, which is in South London. And after Mary's attack, another woman was attacked by the same man in a Clapham churchyard. Then, we're going to go into this case a bit deeper in a second, a butcher's daughter was attacked in Limehouse. This devil-type man seemed to target women mainly, and the Lord Mayor of London, Sir John Cowan, actually received volumes of complaints from residents all over the city, complaining about a strange individual who was harassing women in the area. 
So many people were claiming to be attacked by this individual that people were actually having to write into the mayor to ask for help. One resident from Peckham wrote a letter to the mayor saying that, quote, a devil had succeeded in depriving seven ladies of their senses, two of whom are most likely not going to recover. So now the mayor had a problem on his hands because on one side, his personal beliefs were that the stories about Spring Hill Jack were nothing other than fairy tales and lies. But on the other hand, someone he trusted had actually told him about another servant girl from Forest Hill who had been scared so badly to the point that she had gone into fits. She'd seen a figure covered in a bare skin. So the police thought that these sightings were just pantomime displays, as you can tell with the whole Batman costume basically and the bare skin. They thought it was two people messing around on the streets and they actually set out to go and get these two people. And at this point, the press and the newspapers were going absolutely crazy over this new strange guy in town. And where on earth did he come from? So as I said at this point, reports were being actually published in the papers now. So people were coming forward with sightings and they were being published in the paper every week there was a new sighting. And this made Spring Hill Jack an officially established character. He actually started to make appearances in popular old Victorian series of books called The Penny Dreadful. These were basically just short little stories that would be sold at local newsstands just for one penny. Jack appeared in these stories a number of times, which led to his name becoming well known across the entirety of the UK. So his name was beginning to spread and with that, more reports of him came in. In February 1838, the entity struck again. So I'm gonna talk about the two cases that I said a few minutes ago that I was gonna go in depth about. These ones are kind of weird, so buckle up. Okay, so first, Jane Aslop made a report that on the dark cold night of the 19th of February, she heard a knock on her front door. So she went to the front door and opened it to an unfamiliar policeman stood outside in the shadows. She asked him what he wanted and he muttered that they'd actually just found the spring Hill Jack and that she must immediately grab a candle to come and witness it. So this girl had heard all of the rumours circulating about this weird man who was harassing women. She was over the moon that he'd finally been found and arrested. She quickly went inside, lit a candle and rushed outside to the policeman and asked him where to go. In some reports, she'd even handed him a candle too. And that's when the light from the candle caught onto the man's face. She noticed that the man was wearing a long dark cloak, which when she handed him the candle, he threw it off in an instant. She said that he began to vomit a blue and white flame from his mouth and his eyes glowed like hot red embers in the darkness. Jane was actually the person to report that he was wearing the oil skin white sailor suit and the strange helmet too. So the man actually jumped onto Jane and he didn't even say a word. He just clawed away at her. So Jane started to scream because she was so scared and she instantly ran towards her home. The man actually ran after her and when she reached the step of her home, he began clawing her again, but this time on her neck. Meanwhile, Jane's sisters heard her screams and the man was still grabbing at their sister with his claws at this point. They managed to fight the man off of Jane and pulled her indoors. And just like that, Jack jumped off away into the darkness, presumably to disappear and choose his next victim, which he could have been successful with that because nine days after this attack, Jack struck again. 
and this time he targeted Lucy Scales, the daughter of a butcher who I mentioned earlier. Lucy had just visited her brother and she was just a few steps in front of her sister as they walked down a street towards their home in Limehouse. They passed by an alleyway called Green Dragon Alley and saw what looked like a tall, thin gentleman in a cloak. And originally, Lucy wasn't that scared of the man, so she just walked on straight past him. Until she looked at him, he lifted his head and spat blue flames out into her face. And instantly, Lucy lost her vision, which terrified her so bad to the point where she fell back into the ground and had gone into fits. So I read that these were actually really violent fits and they went on for hours after the initial attack. Lucy's brother and sister actually witnessed the entire thing and she was said to be in a really bad state, obviously. Her brother said that he had heard her screams and immediately started to run to her rescue on the street. He saw Lucy's sister holding Lucy down on the floor as she was just violently fitting. Lucy's sister stated in her description of the man that he was the same tall, thin gentleman that everyone in London was talking about at this time. And she noted that he was holding a lantern similar to one that policemen at the time would actually walk around the streets with, which links back to Jane's case because she saw a supposed policeman. Lucy's sister said that the man didn't try to hurt them though. He just spat the flames at her sister and ran off into the night. There's not much written if Lucy or Jane ever recovered though, and their cases actually became really well known to newspapers due to their potential ties to each other. So the police were still working on finding whoever was tormenting the people of London and whoever was causing all of these women so much fright and pain. You know, to scare someone into fits, they have to be terrified of you. So I wonder what this man was actually doing to make them so scared. So the police decided to offer an award for whoever found Jack and would supply the police with evidence leading up to his arrest. So by now, the papers were reporting so many sightings that they began to call Jack the Terror of London, which actually seems quite fitting. Spring-heeled Jack was actually one of the most popular characters at this time in Victorian culture. Meanwhile, the police are still hunting for someone who they could hold accountable for the crimes that had been committed. They stumbled across a Thomas Milbank, Thomas was reported because he was boasting in a pub which was actually not too far away from where Jane was attacked and he said that he was the Spring-Heeled Jack everyone was hunting for. So someone who witnessed this reported him to the police and Officer James Lee, I believe that's how you say it, arrested Milbank who at the time was wearing white overalls, kind of a lot like the oilskin suit that Jack had been wearing. He also dropped a matching white coat outside of his home along with a candle. So the police found these items when they searched his home and he got sent to trial, but he actually couldn't be convicted and you'll never guess why. Well, the girl who was attacked by Jack insisted that her attacker had spat blue flames in her face, which was the reason she went into these violent fits. And she said that she said that this Thomas Milbank guy was just not her attacker because he said that he couldn't spit out blue flames. As a consequence, Milbank was officially just let back into society after he literally came forward and said, hey, I attacked these women. And after this whole event and trial, the reports of spring Jack actually started to die down a lot, but there was another last spurt of reports in the 1870s detailing a menacing man of Jack's nature causing trouble in the towns again. But then, official sightings of Jack basically died off shortly after. So after the craze died down, the fear of Jack 
gradually dissipated and everyone was able to take a more level-headed approach when answering the big question of who is Spring Hill Jack and what was his point? Well, a lot of people actually put it down to every generation needing their boogeyman and Spring Hill Jack was exactly that. You know, people generally think that Jack was just a manifestation of most Victorian people's fears. Because if you look closely to how the character was described, you can see a lot of imagery. Now, I'm going to go off and I'm going to give you a lot of English teacher vibes today. Jack was described to have these sharp metal claws, right? And these actually, when you think about it, kind of resemble machinery. They were kind of mechanical claws that fit onto the end of his hands and that was kind of the most scary aspect. So maybe that would tie into how scared Victorian people were of these new machines that were just randomly popping up in their homes and in their workplaces. And as I said earlier, his claws were said to have felt like a cold corpse, perhaps deriving from a fear of death, which was actually a very popular thing too, believe it or not, and very foreseeable in Victoria times, because a lot of people would die young. As I said earlier, there was a lot of disease and toxic fumes polluting London. His glowing red eyes and the flames that protruded from his mouth were also very interesting, because they remind me a lot of a furnace, constantly burning. And his mannerisms, the laughing, the talking, were very demonic, which would make a lot of sense because back in the Victorian times, there were a lot of biblical views that they held at that time. Jack's character was actually used by Victorian parents as well, and they used him to scare their children into behaving. They'd say that if they didn't behave, Jack would crawl through their windows at nights and tear them to shreds with his sharp metal claws. Well, that was one version. The other version just stated that Jack would simply just peer into their window through the night and stare at them the whole night, which I don't really know which is more terrifying. I think the idea of someone staring into my house at night from the street is probably even more terrifying than actually just being attacked. So yeah, they had great bedtime stories in the Victorian times, clearly. Spring Hill Jack also made some appearances in the Punch and Judy shows in London as well. As an evil prankster, he was also seen in multiple book publications too. Like I said, it's very safe to say that he was becoming a popular figure and it's fair to say that Jack was the perfect villain, which is why many people today think that he's nothing more than a manifestation of a lot of big Victorian fears. So now I'm going to go through the most common theories that I could find based on who Spring Hill Jack really was. So number one, as I stated before, a lot of people now think that Spring Hill Jack was just an embodiment of everything Victorians would not want to encounter. They said that he could have just been a figure of mass hysteria. They said that reports of a similar being were actually filed in the past, so maybe people were still seeing these strange things, but they were just boiling it down to Spring Hill Jack because he was the most trending thing at the time. And plus, let's be real, if something big is going on like that, I think we all know at least one person who would go out of their way to lie about being attacked when they weren't actually attacked at all, just so that they can get the publicity and the fame from it. Another researcher also noted that in the 1840s, a popular rumour was circulating about Jack, and they pointed to Henry de la Poer Beresford, an Irish nobleman. I'm so sorry if I butchered that name, I'm really not good with them, you should know this by now. This man had, quote, bad experiences with women in the past, and they said that that could give him a motivation to hurt women around London. This wouldn't seem too far off either, because this Irish nobleman was well known for his drunken fights, vandalism, and offensive jokes, which were regularly reported in the news. And he was also in London around the same time frame that the first attacks had happened. So a well-known author, 
from back in the day called Ebenezer Brewer accused the Irish nobleman of, quote, springing on travellers unaware to frighten them and from time to time others have followed his silly example. Now this is really interesting because Ebenezer is basically saying that this man was just randomly attacking women whenever he felt like it and because there was this big character that was currently circulating a lot of people were also doing crimes in his name so that they could easily get away with it. So obviously I can't go without speaking about the paranormal theories. This is my favourite part because some people genuinely thought that Springhill Jack was an alien. That's right. They believed that he came from another galaxy and I'll tell you why. Well, first of all, he had this weird appearance. He had these glowing bright red eyes. He had a very weird voice. He didn't seem to make sense. And he also had this ability to just jump and almost defy the laws of gravity. Obviously, Springhill Jack, that in his name, the Springhilled comes from his ability to jump. Lots of reports actually claim that this man would, like I said earlier, jump nine foot walls or he could jump from building to building. A lot of people thought this was because he came from another planet where gravity wasn't the same as what gravity was like here. Springhill Jack was technically evolved to deal with different forms of gravity than what we deal with. And this is why he was able to just jump multiple feet in the air and think nothing of it. Other theorists just claim that Jack was something called a phantom attacker, which is when an entity preys on people away from multiple other witnesses. They also display superhuman qualities. These theorists claim that these entities can completely immobilize someone with their superhuman powers and attack them without ever actually being caught by authorities. And this is really interesting because I noticed that in many early reports, they called Jack a phantom type of being. But over time, he became much more physical. So was this a case where an entity had grown over time? Because we know that, you know, demons are known to use fear as a fuel, essentially, to grow themselves and their powers. So was the fear surrounded society so strong that this demon had somehow used this fuel to materialize and then dematerialize again over the years? Well, modern scientists would just say that the sightings of Jack were just hallucinations because there was hardly any rock-solid physical evidence surrounding the claims that people made against him. The hallucination theory would make a lot of sense considering the toxic fumes and illnesses that were circulating London in the Victorian times. Even in recent days, Springhill Jack has remained a popular character and he's actually made an appearance in numerous dramas which were either just about him or about London during the times that he operated. He's also popped up in a few video games too. Um, I found out that he was in Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which came out in 2015, I believe, and he was an antagonist in the video game, which was set in Victorian London. In my personal opinion, I just feel like Jack was a manifestation of fear. And I said in the beginning that human waste was honestly just lurking in London's air and making it toxic. So what if all of these toxic fumes and illnesses had eventually got to people and they were beginning to hallucinate? Or maybe it was just one person's hallucination or fairy tale that eventually evolved into mass hysteria. I would say that the most probable thing that it would be would be mass hysteria, just because the reports didn't seem that reliable. Sure enough, the women that were attacked would definitely attacked or from what I can tell what sounded like they were definitely attacked but I don't know if they were attacked by Jack maybe they were attacked by someone else or you know maybe the Irish nobleman was to blame for a lot of these attacks and like Ebenezer said maybe other people were carrying out crimes in his name so that they could just get away with it too. 
So what do you think about this? Do you think that Spring Hill Jack was real or do you think that he was just a fairy tale too? Make sure you hit me up on Instagram and let me know. I've been loving listening to you lot's thoughts and responses on a lot of the episodes. I love hearing your opinions, honestly. I just find it really interesting because this is a one-man podcast and I do like hearing other sides of the story and other inputs. So yeah, thank you so much for listening to episode six of the Take A Trip podcast. We're getting a lot closer to those visuals, guys. They're coming soon, so make sure you stay tuned. I'm going to put my YouTube channel in the show notes below. So you can go and subscribe to that now if you want to, but there won't be anything on there until episode 10. Thank you for the continued support too. I really appreciate all of the kind words from everyone. It's really keeping me motivated to keep this podcast going. So yes, I have another big case for you next week. I don't know if it's going to be in two parts. We will find out. But if it is in two parts, then you'll get two parts in one week, which is fun because you get bonus episodes. So we're going to figure that one out next week. Follow my Instagram at Take A Trip Podcast and hit me up on there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed. I'm your host, Leah. This was the Take A Trip Podcast and I will see you again next Thursday for another episode. Bye.